Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. All right, good morning, everybody. Happy Fourth of July. Have you already seen the fireworks? The illegal fireworks already going off in some neighborhoods? (laughs) All right, awesome. Um, All right, I'm going to let Ephraim get set up here. He's preaching out of Luke. We're in Luke chapter 8 today. Yeah, so excited about that. Um, Just want to give you a heads up. I think it's in two weeks. I think it's two weeks from today. We're going to Oside Beach. Oh, two weeks from, oh yeah, it's going to be on Saturday. So we're going to head to the beach, enjoy this summertime. So just a heads up that uh, plan for that. We're going to be down there and uh, enjoy and bring your own food. And we'll have our big church, um, whatever you call it, easy up. Yeah, we'll have that there. So Check out the website for that. Looking forward to that and uh, and doing that. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 9. We're going to be moving through verses 1 through 17. I really want to focus on 10 through 17. We're going to start at verse 1, though, to kind of catch up, catch us up in the story so far. I will read it to you, and then somebody's going to work on putting it on the screen. Or if you have your own Bible, you can flip there and read it along with us. So Luke 9. Verse 1. Hey, where is it at? There we go. Found it. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. He said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff or bag or bread or money, and do not take two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. And wherever they don't receive you, leave that town and shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. They departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening, and he was perplexed because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead. Some said that Elijah had appeared, and others said that prophets of old had risen. Herod said, I beheaded John, but who is this about I hear such things? And he sought to see him. Verse 10, on their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. Jesus took them and withdrew to a part of town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, they followed him and welcomed them, and he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. The day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to him, send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and the countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we're in a desolate place. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. They said, but we only have five loaves and two fish, unless we're going to go buy food for all of these people, for there was about 5,000 men. He said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50. And they did so. He had everybody sit down, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and set before, to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up. There were 12 baskets of broken pieces. So the story is starting out with Jesus getting the disciples together, giving them power over demons, power to heal people, and telling them to go and proclaim the gospel. Really interesting. This isn't a necessarily 
I'm not trying to make any points in this direction, but something worth noting. Um, what did Jesus tell these guys to do when people rejected them? Anybody remember? Yeah, leave and shake the dust. Did he say, post about it on Facebook? Did he say, share it on Instagram? Or tweet about it? More my style, did he say, punch him in the face? He did not. He said, walk away and shake off the dust. In other words, keep your trap shut and just go away. A, a lot of let it go. Yeah, thank you, Carmen. I should have sang that song. Dang, I should have wrote that. You're genius. Sermon prep with Carmen next time. Uh, a lot of us, myself included, mostly myself, I'm hoping you guys are like me so this will make sense to you, but a lot of us are really quick to talk about people who we feel have rejected us or didn't receive us, whether in regular life or ministry life or work life or whatever. Or... If somebody doesn't see eye to eye with us, we try really hard to convince them that they are wrong and we're right, especially if you are political, especially if you are political and into politics. Here's the deal. When people reject us or don't agree with us or don't receive us, shut up and move on. Jesus didn't give any other instruction to these guys other than shake off the dirt off of your feet and keep going. There was no, they didn't have to try to defend Jesus if people didn't believe in him because Jesus was a big boy. He is God and he can defend himself, right? So as Christians, it's not our job to try to prove that God is God and convince everybody of what we believe because God can do that. So it, in Texas, running your mouth means running your mouth. And it, a lot of times it means you get beat up. In the Bible, James talks about it. In uh, the book of James, chapter 126, he says, if, any, if anybody thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, that person's religion is worthless. So the, the, the side note that I'm trying to make here is, as Christians, if we want to honor what Jesus has told us to do in the Bible, don't be contentious with people that don't agree with you. Sometimes just be quiet. Don't try to prove your point. Don't get in a fight over it. And please, 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 please stay off of social media about it because it makes all the rest of us Christians look bad. So moving on, back to the, uh, back to the Bible stuff. Chapter 9. So the disciples go around. They're healing. They're driving out demons. They're doing miracles. And they're preaching about the kingdom of God. And then uh, in verse 10, it's really interesting because it starts out with, on their way back, when they get to Jesus, they tell him about all the things that they have done. So when I read that, I, uh, I imagined it was similar to when my kids go and do something fun or cool with their friends or have a sleepover, and they get back, and they're like, Dad, we ate all the candy, and we stayed up all night, and we killed a squirrel, and we started a fire, and they're just super stoked on everything that happened, you know? And so the disciples did the same thing, and it's really interesting because they had a, a, they had a good reason to be sort of braggadocious about everything that happened. Um, they healed the sick, like Jesus told them, and they cast out demons, like Jesus told them, and they preached really well, so much so that the leader of the cities that they were in thought, hey, some old guy from the Bible rose from the dead, and then 5,000 people followed them to where they're at now. So they did a good job, and they're telling Jesus about it. But as soon as people started getting hungry, what did they do? They said, hey, Jesus, Let's, uh, 
let's send everybody away to go find lodging and food um, because we don't have the means to sustain them. It's really funny how Jesus answers them. He says, uh, nah, you give them something to eat, which was somewhat of a, a trick. I don't think Jesus meant actually that they were supposed to feed all these people because obviously they didn't have enough food. They had five loaves and two fishes. So the point here is two things I want to say about this. One, on an individual level, and then two, externally. On the individual level, it doesn't matter how good we can preach or heal the sick or cast out demons or lead people to Jesus or bring our friends to church. We will never be able to give people what they actually need. So even if we do all of it right and we have a really successful ministry, only Jesus can feed people. Notice none of the disciples were breaking up bread and multiplying it and feeding tons of people with it. Only Jesus. So whether we're really good at ministry, churchy things, or we're really lousy at it, it doesn't matter. Our job is to be faithful to Jesus, faithful to people, and Jesus is the one that does the rest of it. So just because you're good at something or you're very talented in some way, we get caught up on that. Jesus is the point. He's the one that actually feeds people, not us. And secondarily, on the external level, a lot of us spend our Jesus time listening to really good preaching, really good worship, or Air One, or whatever the local Christian radio station is. But we have to be really careful not to substitute our time with Jesus for good preaching and good worship songs. The di disciples did great. They, I mean, I've never spent a weekend or a week, however long they were gone, just casting out demons and healing everybody I saw and preaching so good that 5,000 people were following me. Never happened to me. Probably hasn't happened to most of you guys. Maybe John. The rest of us, nope. And... Uh, the crowd followed the disciples to where Jesus was at. And so if they would have relied on the disciples because they were just healing the sick and casting out demons and preaching so well, they would not have gotten fed. But we do that. We get caught up with our favorite preachers or churchy bands or whatever it is that we do when we're supposed to be spending time with Jesus instead of spending time with Jesus. And I, and I get it because Stephen Furtick can preach really good. And Hillsong has a lot of bangers. And Joel Osteen will make you feel better about yourself. And connection groups at Access Church will improve your week, hopefully. If it sucks, write an email to Brian. <laughs> But we can't let those things replace our time or our relationship with Jesus. We do that by talking to Jesus and asking him to talk back to us. That's as, as simple as it gets is spending time with Jesus. However, it's very, very easy to get caught up with a good sermon and not caught up with Jesus. It's easy to get wrapped up in the emotions of a great song by Hillsong or Maverick City or my wife singing up here. However, you don't get caught up in the song, you get caught up in Jesus. The point is Jesus, not the preaching, not the song, not the guy that can do miracles or cast out demons. The point is Jesus. 
So all of these things, the good preaching, the good worship, the casting out demons that the disciples did, healing the sick, preaching well, even Jesus feeding the 5,000, these are all signs. Have you guys heard stories about signs and wonders in the Bible? Okay, they're not just called that because it's a poetic name. A sign points you to something. These are signs. Stephen Furtick, if he preaches a good message, is a sign to Jesus, not to the message. Or a good worship song isn't a sign that the band is really good and we can feel emotions. It's supposed to be a sign that points to Jesus. Don't get stuck on the sign. We need to let signs point us to Jesus. So my family used to go to Arkansas almost every summer, and a lot of those summers, we drove there. What would it look like if I stopped in Oklahoma, 100 miles outside of Arkansas, and I got my boys out of our van, and I said, there she is, boys. You see that sign that says Arkansas, the good old diamond of the south? Take it in. Drink her in. Now get in the car. It's time to go home. It's a sign. That would be dumb because the sign is saying, keep going that way because Arkansas is in 100 miles. Good preaching is saying, keep going that way because there's Jesus. Good worship songs are saying, keep going that way because there's Jesus. Don't stop at the sign. Don't get stuck at the sign. So back to verse 14. Uh, Jesus gives the disciples a really interesting instruction. And so jumping back into the story, there's 5,000 people there. One of the disciples comes to Jesus and says, hey, everybody's hungry. What do we do? And he says, feed them. He says, well, th that's dumb. I can't because we don't have any food. And so here's what Jesus tells them. So it says, there were about 5,000 men, and Jesus said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50. And so they did it and had everybody sit down. <clears throat> when I was growing up, my, my, my real dad, he did a lot of churchy stuff. He's always been in kind of ministry things. And he, him and my mom got a divorce when I was about a year old, so I didn't necessarily grow up with him. We're pretty estranged for most of my life. Um, but my siblings would tell me stories about his mission trips to Africa or him and my mom, they built a printing press and they printed tracks, like gospel tracks, and sent them all over the world. And I didn't, like, I didn't see him much or talk to him much when I was growing up. But every once in a while when I would, he would tell me about his new master plan to win the world for Jesus, to spread the gospel all over the world to train missionaries or teach these guys. Or, and it was always this huge, grand scheme of ways to reach the entire planet and maybe Mars. I don't know, but these huge, huge plans. It was really hard for me to hear because I was the youngest of six and uh, he wasn't doing anything to reach me. And insofar as I could see, he wasn't doing much to reach my other brothers and sisters. He had a really grand view of how he fit into this huge ministry, but he didn't have any ministry with his family. So I'm not trying to trash talk my dad or put him down, but I want to make a point with his story. Don't spend so much time focusing on the 5,000 people that you forget about the 50 people 
that Jesus separated. Jesus told his disciples to take people, make them sit down in groups of 50. Then he blesses the bread and the fishes and they multiply and there's a miracle, right? But I don't think Jesus has called us as individuals to meet the needs of the entire world, probably not even the entire country, most likely not even the entire state, especially if you're in Alaska or Texas, probably not even your whole city. He, uh, he calls us to serve our 50. And I don't think that that means 50 specific people that we each, we've been assigned 50 ministry people that we have to go chase down and make sure you got your 50. I, I think it's more than that. I think if, if you consider instead of becoming overwhelmed with the needs of your whole city or your whole community, think about people who you are already surrounded with at work or at school, your neighbors, that's tough. I don't even talk to some of my neighbors. We don't say mean stuff. We just try to look away when the other one comes. So, The point is that you, there's no way you can meet everybody's needs. There's no way any of us can feed the 5,000. Like the disciples didn't even have bread and fishes. They stole it from a kid that was there, you know? And same with us. We don't, we don't have what it takes to meet every need and help everybody. However, we do have things to help somebody or maybe a couple people around us. So think about who's in your circle. Who do you know that needs help that you can actually help with? Not this overwhelming need that, you know, we'll just pray for that, which we probably rarely do. But what can you actually do to help and serve people that are surrounding you? And don't forget why we help people. It's not because we can actually permanently help them, just like the disciples couldn't actually feed any of those people. But it's because us and our help is a sign that points to what? To Jesus. There we go. Look at us go. We're a sign. Us serving other people is a sign. Us doing things at church is a sign pointing to Jesus. So as we keep reading... Jesus winds up feeding everybody, and it's awesome. A very cool part of this story, one of my favorite parts about this particular story in the gospel is that this is the only miracle Jesus did that's listed in all four gospels. And each of them have a few different details, not opposing details, just different parts of the stories that aren't in other ones. I I watch a lot of like biblical debates, and I listen to this one guy talk about how the the Bible was obviously an error because even in this particular story, there was different details. In this, you know, in this book, 5,000 people were fed, but first Jesus said, split them into groups of 50. In John, nobody was told to split into groups of 50. That doesn't mean that they're different stories. That means Luke had better details. He was better at writing stuff down as they were happening, you know? But, so, this story's in all all Gospels, uh, John keeps going with the feeding of the 5,000. He, uh, he writes that story and then what happened that night and then the next morning and then the next day. It's really interesting. In John chapter 6, it's in verse 26. If you want to turn there, if not, I'll read it. The, the people who were fed, the people who were part of the groups of the 5,000, uh, they find out where Jesus is the next day. 
and they approach him and they want to ask him questions about the miracle that he did. So check, check out what happens. In verse 26, they're asking him what happens and Jesus says, hey, truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the bread. And then if you skip down to verse 30, it's when the people respond back to Jesus. And they said to him, well, what sign are you going to do that we can believe in you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate bread in the wilderness. As it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, it wasn't Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father. And now he gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then they said to him, oh, well, give us that bread all the time. Give us this bread always. And he said, no, nah, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So the main thing that I think this text is showing us and trying to tell us is Jesus is the bread. What a... Uh, we have to consider what we're feeding ourselves with. And we just read that Jesus gave 5,000 people actual bread, which was awesome. I love bread. But he gave them real bread to eat. And he healed a bunch of them. And just before that, he was delivering them from demons. And his disciples were doing the same thing. He still does this stuff with us. He still blesses us, and he still gives us stuff. But a lot of times, because we're dumb, we do exactly what those people did towards the end of John. So we say, well, Jesus, you got to do something. you got to give me a sign or something, because I don't even know if you're real today, because life got real crappy all of a sudden. It's like, well, wait a second. Yesterday, you know, when you had nothing, and your family had nothing, he fed you. And like a few months ago, when you were oppressed, I don't know, you were demon-possessed or whatever's going on, he delivered you, you know? And then that, that one time you had a family member or you were sick, and somebody you knew was going to die, and you guys begged God to help, and he did it. Like, what about all those times? Like, who are we after God does what he does in our lives to just a few weeks later forget about it and say, oh, hey, uh, you're going to have to prove it. Maybe I made all that other stuff up. That's what these people did to Jesus. When I read that, I felt like such a loser because I do that all the time. God, my life has been crazy and God's done amazing, amazing things and helped me in amazing ways and healed people around me and done miracles and it's been crazy and awesome. But still, I can go a few months feeding myself the wrong kind of bread until I get to the point where I say, Jesus, I don't even know. Like, you're going to have to do another miracle or give me some bread that makes me feel good because you, I don't, you just got to prove it. I don't know anymore. Jesus is the bread of life. If, if you feel like that, it's because you're feeding yourself with the wrong kind of bread. Earlier, we talked about signs that point to Jesus, the preaching and the, the worship songs and the Bible studies and the connection groups. And that stuff's great. 
But if you're, if it doesn't point you to Jesus, you're eating the wrong kind of bread. Jesus is the bread. Jesus is the point. He came to give us bread. We see that in the story. He made actual bread. More than that, he came to be our bread. What satisfies and what sustains us So we will miss Jesus. You guys will miss Jesus in your life if you think he came to just give you stuff or be your assistant or be your Christmassy wish list guy that you just tell him everything that you want. Or if the only time you're talking to Jesus is at night when you get in bed because you don't want to have nightmares. That's not enough. Jesus is not your bread. He's your nightmare protector guy. If the only time we talk to Jesus is when we sit down to eat with our families, and oh, thank you for this food, and it rhymes, and it's very poetic, and that's cool. Jesus is not your bread. If the only time you believe in Jesus is when in, in Trump is the president, hey, Jesus is not your bread. The point is Jesus, none of that other stuff. Whether he gives you the stuff or he doesn't, whether you're hungry in the wilderness or he just fed you miraculously. Either person, wherever you're at, Jesus is the point. Jesus is is the bread. And you're going to struggle mentally and emotionally and spiritually for your whole life until you get some Jesus. So every... Everything that God does in our life, the stuff that he gives us, is a sign that points to himself. And we can't miss Jesus just because we want his bread, just because we want what he gives us. If you want Jesus, you'll get him. He says it over and over, hey, seek me and you'll find me. Taste and see that I'm good. The ask, seek, knock thing some of us learned when we were little kids. There's songs and little, what are those felt boards called with the little things? Flannel graphs, yeah. There's all kinds of stuff about it, but then we forget, like, asking and seeking and knocking. You know what that looks like? Talk to Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. Uh, John Piper had an interesting quote when he was talking about miracles, and he said, uh, Don't fixate on the product of a miracle. You fixate on the person of the miracle. So I'm going to pray. And more than anything, what I want us to learn out of this is that whether God is giving us stuff in life is great or we feel like he's not giving us enough and life sucks, Jesus is the bread. And you can be totally fine in either circumstance if Jesus is your bread because Jesus will sustain you and Jesus will feed you and nothing else is going to do that. So Jesus, you're the best. God, for some of us, you've, you've just been, I mean, over the top with the bread and the stuff and the blessings and the miracles that you've given us. And for others of us, we, we don't see that. We, uh, we don't experience those things. And so, God, I, I pray for, for those of us here who have had a hard time recognizing your signs. God, that just like they light up signs on the freeway, you would light up those signs. God, and as we see those things, we don't get stuck on the signs, 
but we realize that they are pointing to you and we keep going. God, I pray that you would help us realize that you are the bread and you are the point. God, thank you so much for the way that you've provided for all of us and helped us and the answered prayers that you've given. But more than just thank you for all that, we want to say you are the best and you're the point. With or without any of that stuff, Jesus, we want you to be the bread and you to be the point. So while we're singing songs to you, while we're thinking about you, while we're talking to you, God, please remind us that you're the point and help us to remember that. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com. 